Is that Sam yeah. Elliott? One of my all-time <laughs> favorites. You know, kind of like him narr- when he was narrating the Big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's you just have to use so many cuss words. Fuck you, mean man. Have it your way, dude. <laughs> Ooh. By the way, there's a guy who's having a serious career resurgence. Oh yeah, in the seventies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He had. By the way, again, this and this is a topic that would be good for discussion here. The man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. I've been meaning to watch that. We should totally do that. It is a it's a good one, dude. It's we out need there. To do that. It is. It's on Hulu. Great. It's on Hulu. Oh, I can watch I, it. I found it on demand on my TV through DirecTV. Uh, Larry Miller's in it. He was he yeah. loved making that movie. He said he he just couldn't stop talking about it. So well, I've been I meaning mean, to watch it. So if we could, if when was the last time you the heard Larry one, Miller in anything anyway? So it was probably oh. a big deal for him. Just well, something. we've been recording this for the last twenty minutes now. So oh, yeah, let's. <laughs> let's all right, hold on. Five count. Hey there, we're those sci-fi guys, and this is that those sci-fi guys show. Just two working dudes with way different jobs, different lives, but a lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with. We're your hosts. I am P.S. McKay, coming to you from where the dude abides, and he hates the eagles. <laughs> and I'm GT Calfman. And I'm from where the Buckeyes grow. They <laughs> hate the Wolverines. <laughs> but I'll tell you, dude, we need more cussing. <laughs> we need more cussing. <laughs> Do you have to use so many cuss words? <laughs> what the fuck you mean, man? Yeah. <laughs> have it your way, dude. Have it your way, dude. <laughs> la, 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 la. They're not a more <laughs> uh, distinctive white guy voice right now, I think, than Sam Elliott. No. It's hard to beat like James Earl Jones and Morgan Freeman and Sam Jackson. Those three dudes can, they could narrate just about anything for me. But oh, yes. Sam Elliott, by oh, the way, the owner right. of possibly... The most epic mustache of the 20th century. And it's not diminished. It no. is not diminished. <laughs> it's only gotten more epic in age. I will put him up against Tom Selleck any day of every week. You any day of every week. Because they're boys. <laughs> they, did a, they did a couple of westerns together back in the late 70s, early 80s. They were all Louis L'Amour books. And it was great. Just you know, big six-foot dudes <laughs> with epic mustaches. Uh, <laughs> and it wasn't like somebody was like, "Oh, I guess I got to grow a mustache for this movie." Like, yeah. oh, great! I get to. I'm going for a movie where I get to keep my mustache. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they're going for. I'm sure that that's what their their priorities were. Jesus. Yes. So, uh... <laughs> and Sam Elliott, one of my favorite actors, who has done some great work in in war movies and westerns and a few other things. Plus, of course, his his uh, role as the narrator in The Big Lebowski, most definitely fantastic. My, my introduction to Sam Elliott was The Big Lebowski. And, and it's not a, it's a great role. 
I gotta be honest. And Sam than hard ass <laughs> Sam, which I also yes. like. Yes, I, I I have to be honest. When I first saw the Big Lebowski, I didn't get it. Me I didn't either, get man. it. <laughs> right. I mean, my roommate I started watching it. I I was not using any form of substances, no alcohol, <laughs> no, no no anything else. Now the, I do I do like to have a couple of drinks while watching it because it's just I can watch it stone cold sober. <laughs> I just like to have a drink. Now I don't drink white Russians. That's uh Cavman's dad who likes the <laughs> He likes the Caucasian, huh? Yeah. But uh <laughs> oh boy, you cannot eat that's there's a drinking game, you know, drink uh, uh, when he drinks a white Russian or says white Russian, you got to drink. This that's a hard one, man. That's a hard one. That's interesting because I would think that you would say uh, you would drink every time they say the F word. Well, you could do that too, <laughs> but you'll die. So <laughs> you'll die you thoroughly. Every time somebody says dude, this is true. This is true. Or Lebowski. How many? <laughs> I mean, you're going to get obliterated within the first five minutes of the movie. <laughs> Where's, Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the money, Lebowski? Folks, as you can see, we are not solely limited to sci-fi. Although (laughs) that's that's a bit. It's not sci-fi, but there's definitely some mental trips going on in that movie. Although Uh, I was thinking how there's that, and this is where my line came from, my intro line. Um, (laughs) he's in the car, and they're playing the Eagles. And, and little Lebowski just complains, man, I fucking hate the Eagles. Stop playing the Eagles, man. <laughs> and then later on, when he gets knocked the crap out by the Malibu Sheriff's Department, uh, it was technically Los Angeles. But um, when he gets knocked the crap out and he's all passed out. Um, <laughs> and they're playing the Eagles? They're, they're Well, they're playing. They're, they're playing. um no, actually, you're right. No, I'm sorry. They play Hotel California during a bowling scene with the Jesus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's not the Eagles. That's right, man. Nobody fucks with the Jesus. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's a slight. That's a to- That's a deep slight to the dude, by the way. Think about that. Like, they were all there watching the Jesus do his thing, shining his ball. Like <laughs> eight-year-olds, dude. Eight-year-olds, indeed. <laughs> so why are we so hung up on Sam Elliott and the and and the dude? Well, the dude has nothing to do with this. But um, uh, DT, uh, you uh, did we talk about this on the air or off the air last time? We did not talk. I don't think we talked about it on the air. Okay, maybe we did. I don't know. Um, no, I don't. Uh, I don't. I, I'm sure not sure if I even brought it up beforehand because I know we've talked about it a couple of times. It might have been in our pre or post production, one of these meetings we've done. <laughs> our show notes. <laughs> our show notes. We talked about it. But, you know, we're talking about a, a modern day kind of mini icon of, of Sam Elliott, who's had a huge career resurgence in the last five years or so. You know, mm-hmm. a few starring roles in movies that are basically tailor-made for him. Um, 
And of course, getting to be on the ranch on Netflix, which was awesome. I really loved the I ranch. I haven't seen that. I know. It I was, need to see it. It was pretty to. good. Yeah. Um, especially just listening to him shit all over Aston Kutcher and Danny Masterson <laughs> for like, it was great. Well, Danny Masterson deserved all of it. Of course he did. Um, <laughs> definitely, folks. Danny Masterson deserved it. I'm sorry. I mean, it's it, a lot of shit piled up on him. Anyway, I fully enjoyed it. And, of course, you know, you can't not turn on the TV without hearing him do, like, Ram Truck or Coors or Beef because mm-hmm. he's got that big, deep drawl with the big, and the big mustache and when you he's, picture he's Western, like, that's 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 what you picture now. Yep. But he got to star in a, I think, sorely underrated movie came out about two, three years ago. That it is the most definitely preposterously titled movie ever. It most is preposterous. And, and we'll ex- we'll explain. We won't share the title just yet. But let's show how we were introduced to it first. Well, for me, of course, I think I saw a trailer on YouTube for it. <laughs> I was like, hey, Sam Elliott starring in what? Is this yeah. is this song going to be on Sci-Fi at like, you know, <laughs> nine o'clock on a Friday night? Because it had all the it's had all the hallmarks of a cheesy Sci-Fi Network movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, goody. So this is going to be Sharknado, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It turned out, for to me, it, it could be classified as science fiction or fantasy, but it could honestly, there's very little anything that, that it, most of the stuff that they discussed was really very plausible. Oh yes, yes. No, it, it is. It is. It is absolutely a fantasy slash science fiction movie that is completely about the human condition. Exactly. Completely. Completely. And I was introduced to this movie by name by listening to the Adam Carolla show. That's not a plug, but I listened to him, mm-hmm. and he had Larry Miller on regularly. Um. Up until his fall, and back in two thousand, it was April of two thousand twelve. Larry Miller had his fall, by the way, which was right. insane. Um, and Larry had to slowly come back from that with rehab and everything after hitting his head on the sidewalk. Um, he wasn't drunk, by the way. I want to point that out. Um, it happens to the best of us. It does. I mean, it's just a freak accident. It, was, it just makes you think, and that's what this movie did. So he's on the show, and he's like, I'm here to promote a few shows, but I want to promote this one movie that I did, which I absolutely loved, and I think everyone here should watch it. And Adam's like, well, okay, yeah, what's, what's the name of it? And he goes, The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then The Bigfoot. <laughs> it is a mouthful. It is a mouthful. <laughs> and everyone in the studio was like, Huh. <laughs> you know, like when you hear that Ant-Man is coming out with a movie, you're like, huh. All right. <laughs> like, but he's like, like, he was the Guardians so... of the Galaxy. What? Yeah. Was, we're talking a deep so... cut here. 
he was so enamored with this movie. He kept talking about how he loved it. This was one of his favorite roles that he's done. And he just couldn't say anything more about it. So, of course, me being a fan of Larry Miller, not the fan of Larry Miller, I promptly forgot about it. (laughs) Until, Until I got Hulu last year. And that movie came up on my movie stream suggestions. Mm. And then, so I did the right thing and ignored it. No, you did the wrong thing. (laughs) You have struck out twice. (laughs) Struck out twice. And then the last episode that we're recording, this is probably post-recording, we're talking about the the episode, our post-notes, our, you know, constructive production value discussions. And... You were like, you know, we should do, we should talk about the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot someday. I'm like, ah, I've been meaning to watch that. I've seen it on, uh, I've seen it on Hulu around. So let's do that. And you're like, are you going to be able to watch that in a couple days? Like, <laughs> look, I'll tell you, it, it, for me, it was, you know, uh, you, you rolling through YouTube, checking stuff out. And, you know, sometimes I'll have trailers. And sometimes you'll get like a trailer that's coming out for a movie that was like made like two years ago, but never got wide released or something like that. But mm-hmm. I tell you, I saw the clip. I was hooked. Title, star actor. And just enough of the clip that makes you go, is this real? More. <laughs> I, I need to know more. Mm-hmm. And I found it on demand one night when the family was all in bed. And there was, might have been like a winter break when most of the shows were dead, you know, reruns or something. Or I wasn't, I know I, I didn't, I don't think I had to work the next day. So I found it. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch this because. It's starring Sam Elliott as the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. And you know what? It sounds like something that should have been like a a last gasp, cheesy. The most ridiculous. D production values. Like the the, the blood is really purple because they couldn't get enough red, but they needed more blood. So they thinned out the red dye. (laughs) but i watched this last night i watched this dt all right i watched it start did you like it i have to say not only did i fucking like it i fucking loved it it left me it left me emotional it left me affected it affected me it like in a in, a in an amazing amazing way this movie is not about hitler this movie is not about getting bigfoot this movie is about this man sam elliot what's his character's name it's um hold on it's it, it's, it's sam uh, elliot Yes, Calvin Barr. This man, Calvin Barr, who wakes up in the 80s. 
I, I, I assume early 80s or late 70s. They don't really Something specify. Like but he's, you know, he's modern day uh, Sam Elliott. Um, right. And you just, you just feel the despondency on this character. Like he has no. Okay, it takes. Wow, that's late. That's 40. Wow. He was definitely supposed to be in like his mid to late 60s then in this movie. Yeah, 60s. Yeah. So. So not a lot younger than what Sam is in real life. Right. But he was he was listless. This man who had just like he he has all this old furniture. All he has in his life is his dog. And he sits there and he goes, you know, the opening scene is him at a bar by himself. The well, opening scene. Yes. And you're like, okay, this this is typical. But then you don't nothing happens after that. It switches to a young man walking up to an SS like Nazi uh house back in 1944, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um it, this th- what's what's so amazing is this, this movie doesn't tell the story straight. It's a non-linear movie. It jumps between different periods. And not only does it jump between it's, periods non it, it does yeah. it non-linearly. It jumps between the different periods. The only part that is done linearly is the part in the 80s. Because they yes. start and it progresses, but it jumps back to different points. Sometimes right. before Calvin goes to war and sometimes while he's in war. Yes. So Yes. And you so get, they go back and forth between the story of Hitler and the Bigfoot. Yes. And yes, there is a Hitler and he is killed, but that's in the title. And there is a Bigfoot and Bigfoot is killed. That's in the title, too. I don't think I'm dealing with any uh, spoilers here. <laughs> no, but it's the, it's the why with both of them that makes this seem more plausible. One of the things that I found fascinating was his his whole um, diatribe, I think, when he was talking to the to the federal agents about his missions in World War Two. OK, and, so, yeah. So let's just and say as this. a. I There's want you to explain broken that. broken man in there. There is a broken so. man. So he ultimately gets the assignment to go assassinate Hitler. Yes. And this is not Project Valkyrie. This is this, this is just a completely this different. Straight up hit. Straight up hit. He, he could speak Russian. He could speak at least 10 languages, this character, Calvin Barr. Yeah, it's he mentioned. Spoke, uh, yeah, he spoke several different languages, including German, oh. Russian. I think they dropped him in with the Russian... He did, and then they the Russian in with, operative. With, yeah, oh, one of my favorite scenes that I've ever seen. The Russian operative goes, "You have an important mission. I don't know what that is, but I'm not supposed to know. But in order for me to know you, American, may I give you a shave? Yeah, and, <laughs> yes, and the shave and, scene. Yes, the shave scene. And it's so it's foreboding, and there's. There's, there's, there's like Russian, some destiny to it. There is. So the Russian says, my mother had this saying. If you give a man a shave, it'll tell you what their destiny holds in them. If you give the man a shave and it is perfect. You did not give that man a shave. A, a God interfered. And therefore, if the God interferes. Your mission is going is, is cursed. But 
if I give you a shave and I nick you and there is blood spilt, that means that no one intervened and that you will not be cursed on your next mission. And, and you will you'll you'll survive. But if we both if if we both oh my god, I remember this so clear. But if we both purposely try to make this a sloppy shave, you and I will both die by the end of the shave. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so tense because he keeps telling uh, Calvin not to move. Don't move. Don't move. And finally it ends and the shave is perfect. And then we're like, oh, crap. And he goes, yeah, you are cursed, my friend, American. You will probably survive this mission, but you will have a curse on your life. And then it ends. And then it goes on, too. <laughs> yeah, it was so interesting. And you know what? It It's very foreboding. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and I can't remember if the guy was a, a, a Russian or if he was like an Eastern partisan per se. But they didn't drop him in in like France. You know, this was like going from east to no, west. On east, yeah, east to west. So basically, and and it, it also with these flashbacks, it intersposes with him back in his hometown, essentially languishing. I th- yes, no, the 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 oh, other modern day he's languishing. The other flashbacks, yes, yes where continue. he's courting the woman that he wants to marry. Meets her in a hat shop. Did he work in the hat shop? I think was she the teacher? Maxine, yes. Yeah. I so. think she I think he worked in the hat shop and she came in for a hat, and that's how they that was their meet cute right yeah. there. And she was happy to see him and we don't really see the courtship much we just know that they're meant to be together little snippets yeah right and of course the younger version of calvin is played by a aiden turner who mm-hmm. to genre fans would be familiar as uh killy from the uh hobbit trilogy the dark <laughs> elf who had who the, would know that had the who would know all the different uh dwarfs well the, when you look it up you learn it <laughs> but you don't know all those different dwarfs. <laughs> you well, couldn't. That kind of made him stand out because he had the hots for. Uh, oh, that was the, him. The elf. Yes. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, that's so that, him. That... And of course, my uh, Mrs. Calfman is a big fan of this uh, historical period novels called Paul Dark, which were made into a. TV series on Prime, which stars Aiden Turner as the main character. So mm-hmm. that's something that we watch. So he was quite familiar to me um, for these for this old period drama as well as Lord, uh, The Hobbit. But yeah. that being said, it's a very interesting change because the younger Calvin is full of life. He's engaging. He He's smiles. Very, Smiles, yeah. He's Same not, might smile, but it's hard to tell him to the mustache. Yes. I mean, young, young Calvin is not necessarily confident, but he 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 sees he sees a sense of adventure in life and he, he sees opportunity and while he might be hesitant for it, he wants it. You know? He at least wants it. 
Whereas we don't know what happened at the beginning of this when we see Calvin older, but he doesn't want life. Like he's sitting there at the bar. He talks to the bartender going, I don't think I'm going to be back tomorrow. And and he goes, what do you think about that? And the bartender's like, I don't know, Calvin. I mean, and Calvin gets up and he walks to the door and he stops and he turns back to the bartender named George and goes, See you tomorrow, George. <laughs> he walks if out. That's, if that's not dour Sam at its best. it's. I mean, not only he wants to change, but he feels like he's stuck in this cycle. Right. And, 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 and the, the, this, is an important, this is an important theme in this movie. The cycles that, that you get stuck in. Um, it is. Because, you know, right after he leaves the bar, he's chased down by some street well, not chased down but he's ambushed by some street thugs at his car who are trying to steal his car who are trying to steal his car and he's drunk he's drunk as a skunk mm-hmm. um and he's standing there wa- seeing these three guys who are you know decades younger than he is so he hands them the wallet saying i don't have any money and they they go shut up give me the keys gives them the keys and then the main guy opens the wallet sees the picture of maxine Maxine. Yeah, Maxine. And Sam tries to grab it. Calvin tries to grab it. And the guy goes and pushes him back. They're like, oh, this is important to you. And doesn't say anything. Then he takes a cigarette and just burns the face on that picture. Burns Maxine's face off. Mm. And then and then I mean that's a horrible scene to see. Because you know that that means something, and it's lost forever at that point. Oh yeah, and and, and it's really it, it was a bad move by those guys. And it because was. then it, it awakened. Then Sam something. goes yeah. straight ham on these guys oh. and just wrecks them. <laughs> wrecks them. Doesn't even try that hard either. He just destroys them. <laughs> and he's drunk this as a skunk. This is a guy who is not only was highly trained at one point. But is filled with so much anguish and rage in his life that these guys just they they pulled on his last nerve mm-hmm. and he snapped and he yep. he wipes the street with these clowns and then he leaves. Well, like well no, no, before he leaves, before he leaves. No, this is not the traditional badass. He gets in his car and then oh, he starts to right. cry. That's right. That's right. He started to cry. He didn't even leave yet. He started to cry. And we don't know why he started to cry. We think it's over the photo. I don't think so. Mm. I think it was because they unleashed the beast in him. Which you can tell he's spent many years bottling up. So, and this is where we start getting, you know, at, at this point in the 80s, you know, he leaves, but he's being followed by a bunch of well, by a p- couple of suits, you yep. know, for a couple of days. You see, you see Calvin at home. You saw him at the bar. The only person he really ever interacts with is your boy Larry Miller, who plays his much younger brother, yep. who's a barber. And <laughs> that his brother's always trying, right? And his brother <laughs> is always trying to get him to do things, come out. Um, and I think it was. Calvin, one Calvin of the is Larry Miller's favorite do. person in the world. Yes. He always looked up to his big brother. 
right. loved and idolized his big brother. So Larry Miller, who plays Ed Barr, um, yeah. Ed is always just there for him, even though Calvin doesn't want him there. He doesn't want him to feel the darkness that he has. I, I, okay, that's an accurate. That's an accurate okay. thing, I think. Because you yeah. can say, particularly at certain points in the movie, you can see that there's genuine affection there from Calvin for his brother as the only person really left who cares about him. Mm-hmm. That's true. Because Calvin, I as far think... as we know, doesn't have any children. Mm-hmm. He's, I mean, he lives alone. He's got a dog. Yep. And the first scene we see with him and Ed is Calvin walks into the bar. Uh, not sorry, the bar. Uh, the the barber shop. Mm-hmm. Ed's the barber. First thing Ed says to to Calvin, "Did you get your haircut somewhere else?" <laughs> and Calvin goes, "Yeah, they didn't do it right." <laughs> it feels heavy. <laughs> and Ed just shakes his head and goes, "Get in the chair." <laughs> I I thought the two characters had a really great dynamic because oh, yeah. they're very different people, you know, in in personality, in appearance, in everything almost. But the they were their scenes were so well acted together, which you would you wouldn't think right because Larry Miller's a comedian he's been mostly known for his more comedic roles and yes while mm-hmm. he is the one who's more prone to make a joke in this movie um he still he had some he has some gravitas he made a couple so, of little innocuous things but, that, but he did he did have gravitas with him he had a he had a yes there's no other word for it. He used it perfectly. Well, there, <laughs> there, see, there was a man who was trying to reach out to his brother. He knows his brother's hurting. He's trying mm-hmm. to be there for him. And, you know, I, what was he? He was trying to get him to go to his daughter's play or something like that. Yep. That it, mm-hmm. um, you know, reconnect with the family. We're here for, you know, all, all of these things. And to be honest with you, and Sam honestly doesn't say a whole lot in the movie. No. He's no. not a talker, no. uh, but when he does, it's like that old man who doesn't talk much. But when he does, you listen. You have to. So. You have to, because we see how he's a good man when uh, when he picks up the lottery ticket that he finds, mm. and he he scratches it off. He's like, huh? And he walks into the, the 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 store and he goes, "Would this be a ticket that your your shop would have uh, sold?" And the guy's like, yeah, probably. Yeah, that's it. He's like, well, it's a winning ticket. And the guy's like, okay, so you want you want the $100 that you're supposed to get? He's like, no. I want to give it to the person that bought it. Because I found it. <laughs> yeah, the guy's like, you're telling me that you want to give this winning lottery ticket away? To, to the person who bought it, who lost it? Just take it. And he's like, that's not the right thing to do. Here. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say it like that, but uh, he, he's not. It wasn't so sacrosanct like that. Eventually, he just says, "Go here. Hold on to this for a month. If the person who bought the ticket doesn't come back, keep the hundred for yourself." Then he walks out. <laughs> you know, I mean, think about that. I mean, he, here's a guy who needs something. 
But then when he finds something that could bring someone joy, he doesn't. He goes off and gives it back. Right, because you that's know? his code, though. He he. It didn't is his buy code. It. And now, now we really should probably, and while we've been espousing the the human condition here, which is really a, a huge part of this movie, we probably should dive a little bit into the more fantastical parts of this. The killing of so, Hitler. Let's start with Hitler first. Well, yes. So Calvin's tracked down by a couple of suits. And it turns out, you know, we, we, we've already established that in World War II, he was sent on a mission. And this mission was to assassinate Adolf Hitler. And, and we see it happen by the time he talks to the suits. We do. He actually does succeed in killing Adolf Hitler at a retreat out in the country. So, right. <laughs> he hands him a piece of paper or an envelope. Hitler's in this big office. He opens up the envelope and it's a picture of Uncle Sam. I want you for the U.S. Army pointing at Hitler. And he's like, what? And then that's when that's when Calvin gets up and shoots him with this piecemeal gun with a with a, a, a flask for a silencer. Yeah, shoots that him was square cool. in the heart and then square in the forehead. Mm-hmm. And then he gets out of there. We don't see the actual gruesomeness of it, which I appreciate. Um, and then you're like, oh, crap. OK, so in this movie, Hitler's dead. He, he's killed. He's not killed in the bunker. He's just dead. So now you're thinking, is this alternate history? Right. You know, where is it going? And that's when we find out when he when he finally is about ready to kill these these two suits, one of whom, of course, is, of course, uh, the great uh, Ron Livingston uh, from such movies as Office Space and the series Band of Brothers. Um, Turns out that. Ron Livingston's character is uh, a, a U.S. agent, and the guy who's with him is a Canadian officer. Uh, and they ha- there's a problem in Canada. So they're, they're searching out Calvin to try and get his assistance. So... You've Which got I like Calvin. How, I like how the Canadian officer was played by um oh um Rizwan Munji. Yeah. Uh I, I know I'm butchering his name. I like him as an actor. And seeing him speak with a French accent, I just adored. <laughs> it, it was pretty bad. It was funny. <laughs> I but, it wasn't meant to be funny. I adored it. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> Here's where we find out the reason why they're tracking down Calvin and what actually happened in World War II. What's happening, though, is in Canada, there's and you hear it. You've heard it in the background of news reports in the bar and other places that they're serial killer in in the serial killer. Right. And they have come. To ask Calvin to help them fix this problem and it turns out it's not a serial killing that's going on in the Canadian woods but there is an outbreak of a virus that is extremely deadly to mankind and Calvin because the and let me tell you because the government has all of you on record 
when you serve <laughs> your DNA, your dental records, yep. you got it. Even in the 40s, they must have had some of his blood or something lying around. Maybe maybe one of his earlier mustaches is on display at the Smithsonian. I don't know. But they said Probably. that Calvin is immune to this virus. And, and, and they described this virus as, think of the worst strain of flu. And by the way, hearing this, it just sounds too close to home, by the way. So think of the- this movie came <laughs> out in 2018. I know, I know. It is not a pandemic-based movie. Think think of the worst strain of flu, add Ebola to the mix, and it's still only a tenth as bad as this virus could ever be. Yeah. And and, um, and, uh, he, and they go, okay, well, what's doing it? And they go, Bigfoot. And <laughs> Calvin's like, Are you, you're kidding me, right? He goes, no, no, Bigfoot is the carrier of this. There's a 50-mile-wide dead zone of all dead mammals in that area. God help us if this spreads to the birds. Like, it hasn't spread to the birds yet. And they're like, right. and in the meantime, Ron Livingston's going to Calvin going, my grandfather told me a story about a man that he served with in the war. Sounded bigger than life, like a superhero. <laughs> and he allegedly killed, and then Calvin goes, "Yes." They don't hear. They don't. We, they, they don't say Hitler. But Calvin goes, "Yes, it's true." And he's sitting there, "What? What?" <laughs> and this part is what gets me. It was so good. So good. So good. Calvin explains that yes, he killed Hitler. And no, it didn't change anything because they already had decoys out of Hitler puppets. He said he did the riskiest mission of the war and it didn't change a damn thing because the idea that Hitler had outgrew the person, the man, right? And he said it spread like a disease, was like, right? And it was 1944, I think, when he killed Hitler. Yeah. So, and he goes, "Why Nazis... do you think the stupid mustache was there? Costumes. People, people will look at the mustache. They won't look at the man." And he's like, "The one I killed was the genuine article. There were others that was. There was another that was killed. The last one was a coward. Shot himself in a bunker." <laughs> you know what? It kind of sounds going... like they had their own Wayun cloning facility. Yeah, they did. It? Yeah, right. <laughs> But but he Hitler sits there. But Calvin just sits there looking looking at, at Ron Livingston just with this deadpan pain in his eyes, going, "But and what I did didn't save anything because yeah. that idea was out there already, and I yeah. couldn't stop it." And and he's and, and 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 by the way, he he's already talked about by the time this happens, he goes, I killed a man in the war. He talks about it to Ed and Ed's like, do you want to talk about it? He's like, no, <laughs> but that like. death, that death affected him. It affected him. Right. And. I don't know, how do we want to explain this from here? Do we want to explain the mission of Bigfoot and then the aftermath of Hitler, or do we want to talk about the aftermath of Hitler and then the mission of Bigfoot? 
Let's let's just talk about with the aftermath of Hitler. We'll stay with that, and then we'll get to Bigfoot. Okay. So he before he goes off to war, he's about to to uh, you know propose to his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. But at this dinner, at this fancy restaurant, everything goes wrong. And so he ultimately chooses not to propose to her. And then we see the war happen. We see him go. We see him kill Hitler. And then he comes back to this home. He's got the mustache on at this point, which is nice and, and brown. Because <laughs> it's but a different person but, who's much younger. But as, full, but as full as it could ever be. And... Um, <laughs> the idea of growing a mustache like that, by the way, just grosses me out. <laughs> That's just because you you're not man enough I just to can't do it. a mustache like that. You are absolutely correct. My estrogen levels are far too high. I can't have a mustache like that. <laughs> um, but he comes back to stacks of mail at his house, and they're all letters from Maxine. Maxine's not there. He reads the one letter from her saying that she she's written to him every day, how the army tells her they can't tell her where he is. He's not even going to get the letters. And they actually forwarded the letters to his house anyway. And she saw that and she's like, well, I have to move back with my parents. My mother's not doing well. Calvin, I love you. Reach out to me when you get home. And he gets home and he throws away the letters. Doesn't even read them all. Just read that, read that last one and throws out the rest. And you're like, why is he doing that? And it, we even see this agonizing scene. God, this movie's so goddamn deep. We're already four minute, 40 minutes in. Um, I know, right? <laughs> it's, it's just, we see this agonizing scene of Calvin taking the letters out to the trash can, putting the trash can out on the sidewalk, goes back to his room, lays down, and then you hear the dump truck come by you hear the sound of trash going and then it's gone and then he gets up and this is all in one shot looks out the window trash can is hanging on its side letters are gone and she's gone and you're like why would he do that why would he do that um <laughs> and from there you're like okay so he lost her we don't know how we don't know why, but we also know that him killing Hitler affected him because he doesn't want to be violent. He doesn't want to hurt people. He doesn't want to kill anything at all. So, shoot, uh, is there anything that you need to fill in here that I'm missing? Because I feel like... No, no, because just, now, he, now we're zipping back to the present, right? He's yep. miserable. He's been miserable for 40 years, you know, probably because... He was sent to do a mission that should have changed the world and didn't. And it didn't do anything. And it didn't do anything. And And isn't that the most heartbreaking thing? What personal cost did it have on him? He He lost his girl. He lost his sense of direction. lost his life. He lost his soul. That's where the curse set in for him. Yes. Perfect shave. Mm -hmm. The mission didn't amount to anything it's the most dangerous mission anyone ever undertook to take out the most wanted man in the world and it changed mm-hmm. nothing and he's probably didn't get back until the war itself was actually over mm-hmm. so he comes home 
and it changed nothing. Changed and nothing. he went through all of that, and he, and of course, he, I think, he just didn't want to bring his. He starts to believe in this curse, and he didn't want to bring the curse back to Maxine, back to people in his family, and he just seems to have kind of become a a bit of a a recluse. For the next 40 years. But that in and of itself is the curse, right? You know? Right. <laughs> it's like, it's so crazy. It's so deep. It is. It's so deep. And I, I need to add, I need to add that this is an independent movie. It has a it ludicrous is. title to it. And a ludicrous idea of a premise. But for, for that, that being said, that being said, it is a beautifully shot movie. It, very well executed. So perfect in its photo uh, uh, photography and, and the director of photography being involved in everything. It, the, the perfect lighting, the, the shading, the quality of the film. Like it just it's all there. It is more beautiful than it ever had any right of being. And you want to know where it was filmed? Massachusetts. Western Massachusetts. <laughs> Isn't didn't that beat all? I mean, there are it definitely beautiful... looked like a Massachusetts town, and I can't explain why. It just did. <laughs> Probably because those old forts from the seventies are there. Oh my god! <laughs> Let me cars... tell you, it was, and we're we're at like two thirds of the way through the movie. The whole last act ish of the movie. Basically, they convince Calvin that he, this will change the world if mm-hmm. if we don't if we can't find the source and kill the source of this contagion disease. Yeah, the contagion. I mean, the, the human race might. They are literally saying the human race is going to die if we right. can't stop this thing. So it's, they fly him in to Canada, and we see the huge ring of fire. Like huge, and he lands at this base, and everyone's all oh. like, "Is it up. me, or I, did, I, did, did you feel that they missed the point not having Ring of Fire being played?" Well, okay, that's another thing. I loved the music in this movie. It was very well scored. Oh my god! And Ring of Fire probably would have been too on the nose. <laughs> Well, you'd almost assume it was if you just saw the title yeah. alone. <laughs> yeah. But it would have been a little be- too on the nose. The beautiful part about this is that, again, this whole virus coming from Bigfoot as a strange remnant of the past. Yes. In the, in the Canadian wilderness. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating because it makes so much more sense than just a standard monster movie, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I, the, there was a because need for him to kill Bigfoot. The Bigfoot, when when he finally tracks down the Bigfoot, the Bigfoot is not a monster. Not a it's big not, thing. It's, it's and by the not way, we much. See not, it. We see yeah. it the, at the very beginning of the third act when he's when he begins his hunt. It's like he goes to the, he goes to the base oh, and they're like, the we way, brought in an armory for scene. you. <laughs> that scene take it pick whatever you want i want that gun that sight and this and knife. That knife and that's yes. it <laughs> he goes in with a, with, a, with a solid hunting rifle a top of the line scope and a 
badass knife. Oh, a great a, knife. Like a K-bar, you know. Yep. Military <laughs> style knife. And we see I him walk, starting to walk off into the fire. Like, in this wonderfully shot, slow-motion silhouette. Damn. It's, it's such a... Rifle and a backpack. And you see it. the silhouette of the rifle. You see him holding the backpack. And it's just such a gorgeous shot. And then, snap! We see this, We see this like, hairy beast sitting there. And we hear, crack! Boom! And then, snap! We see Sam, uh, Sam Elliott with the rifle. And it's like, holy shit! He found him already? Like... <laughs> it's like... And he goes, and and the you and you hit him. He hit him in the head, and Bigfoot still gets up and runs off. And so wow. he's running around. <laughs> Here's the neat thing: when he's tracking him, he finds essentially Bigfoot shit. And he's like, and he's he's examining the scat, and he's like, he's a vegetarian. Vegetarian, yeah. <laughs> he's not even attacking people. I mean, it's it's not a dangerous monster in the way that most. Bigfoot movies, you know, right. are dangerous monsters, right? They're not coming right. out of these Sasquatches aren't coming out of the woods and, and terrorizing and murdering people. It's not. It's just a biological contagion that is jumping species that is causing problems. It's it's we've seen that before in history. So yep. they're they make it plausible. Bigfoot's and, not and we... some boogeyman. It's just like he's, a missing He's not inherently link. evil. He just has no. this thing that's following him that's affecting everything around him. Like, like we see the contagion in the huge moose and the deer. All the dead mammals. All the dead carcasses. Yeah. All the dead mammals that are around. And, 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 and you know, Calvin looks at it, and he looks at it with a, a, a tear in his eye almost. He, and you're like, is he crying for the animal? Or is he crying for what he has to do? Because he doesn't want to do it. No, you, you know? even see it when he catches up with the Bigfoot, and he thinks he's killed him. And then, yes, so he he the, gets. The does he scientists get... want the body if they can do it? Did they mention that? I missed that. I mean, yeah. I would think so. He, well, he basically says when he finds what he thinks is Bigfoot dead on a cliff, he goes, "Okay, I'm going to burn your bodies. Them... Nobody get. I'm not going to let them have you." Well, also, so he's trying to this piece, right? He probably didn't want the virus to get into any government hands. Exactly. Okay. Because we know what course, can happen if a virus, a potentially terrible virus, could get into a government's hands. Right. <laughs> Outbreaks show there's, this. There's, there's a moment <laughs> of, of understanding. You know, he's basically apologizing mm -hmm. and saying, you know, I, this I didn't really want to do want. this. No, right. yeah, right. No, he did. This isn't what I wanted. That's right. right. That's exactly what he said. And what you find out about Bigfoot is that Bigfoot is not really that big. No. It's about the same size as Sam. About, so I mean, it really is just that big. like like a like a missing link. It's just uh, like a hairy humanoid. Mm -hmm. It's not a gigantic monster or anything like that. Well, because. You know, there has to be a little bit more suspense to this because he got to the to what we thought was the killing shot pretty quick. As it turns out, Bigfoot's not dead. And as he's getting ready to, like, burn him, the, the creature springs up and they kind of brawl and he knocks Sam out. And then well, it, it, it dazes him. Right. Dazes yeah. him. 
And so he runs away, and now Sam's got to track him. And now they get into some. Man, was that a brutal fight or what? When they when he finally caught oh. up with each other, it was. It was truly. It was gross. It was scary. Uh, the eyes, though, man, the eyes looked alien in that. Right. Like they, they were, they were, they were, they were like alien eyes, like from the gray aliens, but they mm-hmm. were silver and they blinked white. And uh, that was an interesting choice. But the costume itself was well done, and it was that fight. Just it, it was real. And it, I mean, <laughs> he broke he broke Calvin's left arm. And all Calvin has left is his knife. And thank God he's got that knife. Well, he he lost an ear, too, remember? Oh, he did. He had the ear bitten off. That's right, his left ear. His entire left side. It was was brutal. And And he, of course, he's stabbing this thing repeatedly in the gut. And, of course, when what happens? Thing pukes all over him. Yep. You know? Yeah. It's just... But then... And then you're sitting there watching this like, oh, he's got the worst disease ever. And he's just throwing up in his Sam's in a Calvin's mouth here. Like, but, you know, I mean, he's fine. But, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> from however, that, the movie kind of moves on from there. And right. the and then we government see- kind of. Well, yeah. And then you don't see Calvin. Bigfoot basically dies. But Sam's just kind of lying there. Like hurting. Badly. Hurt, hurt. And I think symbolically his left side symbolizes his heart and and his wedding hand and oh, you know man. everything everything that could that could hold something dear in his life. Like his oh, hit yeah. it was completely demolished in that fight. In that fight. And then we see Ed sitting in Calvin's no, we see Ed sitting in, in his own living room. With Calvin's dog. Just staring off. And then there's a funeral scene. With Ed talking about his brother. um, Posthumously. And then that's when. That's when he says something like this. Where where he goes. Calvin. uh, Had a lot of things lost in his life. Um, And then he mentions. uh, Maxine. But not by name. But he had a love of his life who was lost too soon to this world, too young to this world, mm-hmm. meaning that Maxine died young. There was no able there was not he was not he I, I'm assuming and this is ambiguous that Maxine died before he got home from the war. Yeah, maybe or or soon after, because, uh, you know, you go, you get the feeling that. She was long dead by the by the present day. Well, I mean, why wouldn't he reach out to her if it was just her moving home with her parents to take care of her mother? She still expressed she loved him and she wanted to be with him. I, there, there was no reason for him to just throw everything out unless she was literally dead by the time he got home. Hence the curse. Again, part of me also thinks that he didn't want to bring what he thought was a curse to her yes and you know that's the beautiful thing about this movie we could both be right there there's some ambiguity <laughs> to a few parts of this movie but right you know i mean i think there was a cut to like i think 
was there was there a piece because uh, it, it's been a, a little bit since I'd seen the the movie, but was there a little piece where basically the uh, the 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 government agents are basically like wrapping things up because it's but they think he's dead. The, I I don't recall, um, but I do know. So Ed's out, Ed's out right. fishing because he really wanted to fish with Calvin for one last time. Right. And he's got Calvin's dog on the boat, which I like. I like that. Yeah. Um, and then he sees Calvin standing off in, on, the, on the bank, just standing there. <laughs> and he rolled, rose up to them. There's no, there's no hot embrace. There's no, I mean, it's just. We had a nice service for you, Cal. <laughs> yeah, that was great. We had a nice service. His arm's in a sling. He's missing an yeah. ear. He's missing he's... an ear. <laughs> and his brother, it, you could see in Larry Miller's eyes, eyes only, not his, not his mouth, just his eyes, just overjoyed. But he subdues it. And he goes, we had a nice service for you. <laughs> um, and then at that point... Uh oh, oh shoot. Okay. Well, it's too late now. We can Basically, talk about it. The movie kind of ends with Ed finally getting Calvin. They go to the they go to the play together, right? They go to the play together. And then, you know, he's starting to interact with people again. And then he goes to his brother, and Calvin goes to his brother and goes, "Did you bury the box with And Ed goes, "Yes, well, I I thought that you would be more comfortable with her oh calvin i'm so sorry i don't i didn't realize and so we don't know we we think it's we think it's maxine at least that's my impression that that box that he pulls out from under his bed at the beginning of the movie where we think it's like a gun that he's gonna shoot himself with because he's just so despondent mm-hmm. do you remember that i do um it was very dark very dark so as it turns out, Ed buried his army uniform and a few other items along with that box. Calvin later that night gets up, goes and digs up his own grave to grab that box. We never but see never what's inside see that what's box. In it. Yeah, we never see what's in never it. Do. We just know that he would be more comfortable having that box with him. And um, as he's walking back home. He's got a little tilt in his step, and he stops, and he pulls out his shoe, slams it, slams it, and a pebble falls out. And he's like, huh, there it is, finally. Because he apparently had a pebble in his shoe, which we didn't talk about, but he walked with a little bit of a limp because of a pebble in his shoe. Um, puts the shoe on, and then he walks with a new spring in his step towards the camera, and then fade to black. And, and it's like it was <laughs> if you were looking for like clear definitive answers with this movie, you're not going to get many. I'll no, say this. But if you find meaning and worth in this movie, it I is agree. here. It is completely here. Because when I saw that pebble fall out, I'm like, holy shit, that pebble was Hitler. That pebble was mm-hmm. him killing Hitler. Because he hobbled himself his entire life since that killing. His entire life he had that pebble in his shoe. He looked for that pebble in his shoe at the beginning of the movie. He couldn't he find did. it. 
He couldn't find it. It wasn't there. He's like, huh. And nothing came out. And then and then at the end, after he went ahead and quote unquote killed Hitler again, confronted his demon, basically, his monster of having to do this to save humanity. Because in reality, he needed to save humanity. Like in order to have vindication. He technically failed to save humanity the failed. first time. He failed the first time to stop the disease from spreading, that of Nazism. The second time, he succeeded in stopping the literal disease that was going to kill humanity. Which I think is really great symbolism. You know, and you know, it's a little on the nose. Those, but it is, <laughs> but that's kind of the whole point of the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, for a preposterous title, think of all the symbolism we just talked about. Right. But think about how all the things that happened don't sound super made up. No, they don't. They it don't doesn't at all. sound that far-fetched. The whole Bigfoot being a missing link, remnants of, an, of a past, you know, um, not like some weird monstrosity vegetarian, mm-hmm. just kind of harmless alone in the wilderness in the north but it's carrying a disease that is spreading it it makes a lot more sense than most of the other stuff we talk about yeah yeah the hitler twist was so good too because when you think about it there were a lot of other people who you would have had to wipe out you know Mm -hmm. the nazi regime was you know if you i mean would it have ended the war if even the, the Germans had been able to wipe out Hitler. I mean, yeah, not, some of the not ones by mid, doing it, not by mid nineteen forty four. I'm not convinced. Did it? We're just trying to get we're trying to get <laughs> them to surrender to the Western Allies instead of to right. the Russians. Right. And that's the main reasons why the Germans fought all the way till May after Hitler killed himself because they wanted the Western Allies to get closer so they could they surrender were to them. The, the, yeah. Hey, they know a good bet when they see one. Oh my God! Oh, yeah, Jesus I mean, Christ! But when you think about it, it also makes sense. I mean, Saddam Hussein and a lot of these guys had doubles. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, and look at how many members of the Nazi Party kind of dressed a little Hitlerish. I, mean, I think yep. Himmler had a shitty little mustache too. Mm-hmm. In the bath party, all a lot of those big wigs tried to model after Saddam with the big mustaches and the berets and no. shit. So it and there it and there's sense. still there were still rumors that Hitler was in Argentina. Oh yeah, you know that that's that's a completely different movie. I know the voice from Brazil. I get it, but I mean, <laughs> hunters, dude, hunters. The Amazon <laughs> oh, yeah, Prime that. show, man. That's that's a crazy show. Yeah. Oh my God, that 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 looks like invasion of the body snatchers of anything with that yeah. style. But um, okay, DT, final thoughts on the man who killed Hitler and the Bigfoot. Oh, geez, a it's a straight. I love this movie. I think it's it. I think it's so. It's a little out there. It's a little weird, but it's just it's 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 in my head. I can't not think about it sometimes it's it was just so different and so cool yes it stars one of my all-time favorite actors okay straight up admitting that's the entire that and the title is the entire reason i watched it (laughs) i really like this movie it is deep it is 
dark at times, but there at the end is it's a little ray of hope, you know. Mm-hmm. And despite the complete insanity and the 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 outlandish title it has, when you read this, when you watch the movie, the story makes sense. Yes. The events that they cover, those two big things in the title, there is an air of plausibility and reality to it. I know I keep saying that, but it doesn't seem so far-fetched. No. It's as grounded of a movie as it can be with Bigfoot in it. Yes, and that <laughs> isn't, that, that's not even the strangest part of the movie. No. It isn't. No. No. I mean, I mean, when you think about you Nazis, believe in the, in, it's, it's, you believe in the, the 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 curse. Maybe that's the weirder part. Yeah, but they they had enough. I want to say grounded plot uh, structure with that piece, you know, that that it made it seem viable, like it could actually have have happened mm-hmm. to a degree, you know, more than. You know, the Chitauri alien invasion of, of New York and the Avengers where, you know, <laughs> Hulk and Thor and Captain America, you know, it's way more possible than that. <laughs> and I love the and I love superhero movies. Mm-hmm. I think it's way more plausible than metachlorines giving people stronger connections to the force. Yep. You know, I just think that they did enough. And of course, it wasn't quite as off the wall as, you know, like Inglorious Bastards. No. Which is a straight up zany. alternate history. Yes. Yeah. Z- a zany perspective, if you will. Um, well, Tarantino. <laughs> um, my thoughts. When I turned this, when I, when I finally, the credits came on, I actually had to turn off my iPad and I just, I had to stare off. I had to stare off in the, in the nothingness for a little bit to kind of set, have it all set in because. And I turn, I turn to my wife afterwards, and I'm like, "Did she watch I, it with you?" No, no. <sighs> Are you kidding? You think I'd be able to get her to watch that? I don't know. So I told, I told her, I just watched the man who killed Hitler, and then the Bigfoot, and I am completely emotional about it right now. <laughs> and she looks at me cross-eyed, like, "What in the hell are you talking about?" I swear, DT, this movie affected me. Seeing that bleakness uh, in Calvin's eyes, he he sabotages his pills that he's supposed to take every day. You know, like this is a man yeah. at the end of his rope, and I can't I can't help but feel that nihilism, uh, that 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 bleakness at the end of one's life when you haven't made anything out of yourself. There's no one to turn to. And, and and there's there's just nothing there. There's that that darkness. Like like even if he was married, think about that. What if he'd married Maxine and she died like two years prior to this movie in 1985? You know, there there'd still be that bleakness. You know, probably a few more happy memories. But... If, you pro- if 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 they're living in West if they're living in Western Massachusetts. She died after that fall, went through Bill Buckner's legs in 86. That's what happened. <laughs> Probably. Okay. Probably. But I couldn't, I couldn't help but feel, 
Uh, and the movie did such a good job of conveying that bleak hopelessness, that 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 sense of no direction that he's the, feeling. The world and, world weary is the words that showed up in a lot of the reviews that praised Sam Elliott's portrayal of Calvin. World weary. And which, that's an accurate description. I just well, don't think deep, it's strong enough. Deeper, no, it's that's a man in in pain, constant internal anguish yes yes not even pain anguish you're right you're absolutely right and i sat there and i felt every second of it i felt every second of that anguish in a movie titled the man who killed hitler and then the big fight i felt every second of it and then i felt that redemption when he killed bigfoot and he came back and he was alive i felt when i thought he was dead i'm like okay he did what he was supposed to do. He saved humanity. And then he's back, and he has a second chance to be able to relive a life that he never lived. And I sat there going, yes, this is it. This, this is that man, moment. Do it. It's a chance to maybe spend the last couple of years of his life at peace. At peace. Not even happy, but at peace. Just at peace. Being able to go fishing with his brother. Being able to... Win epic mustache contests, yeah. <laughs> crushing the souls yeah. of people throughout Western New England. Yes, yes, and and this is not a perfect movie no. by any stretch, but like I said, no. I loved the score. The music was beautiful. It was it was overarching. It was actually epic at times. Um, very oh, well done. The, the um, footage of when he's supposedly out in the Canadian Rockies. Was just gorgeous. The the again, yeah, the cinematography is just fantastic. So much better than it had any right to be. I know, right? I you mean, everything about this movie. Bar, it's like everything about this movie you think is supposed to be low profile, low budget, low everything, and they just completely blow you away. Like <laughs> the main cast is like there's not a lot of people. Okay, no. this is not a big movie um mm-hmm. there's, it's, there's and it's subtle and it's hinting there's, there's not, not a lot of emotion a, really isn't many as you there's like three people maybe four who anybody has ever heard of in this yep. movie okay not a lot of names so the, the you know obviously not a huge budget but they they got a lot out of it. There was a lot of gravitas in some of the performances it received. It is uh, certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes with a 76 is it? rating. Yes. 76. Good for him. Because the, the IMDb good. index, what is that? 51 Metascore. That is so low. Yeah. An average of 5.7 out of 10. No, that is not correct on IMDb. Um, well, I mean, you look at some of them have different ones. I mean, Rotten Tomatoes says it's 76% and Metacritic says it's 51 out of 100, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I can't, I can't say that I did not enjoy this movie. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't be talking about it because I I kept bringing it up. I am so pleased that I saw this movie and thank you for introducing the idea that we should review this because I feel better for seeing it. That's, I mean, I I don't even think I can give it higher praise than that. I feel like a better person for seeing this movie. 
What does that say? I don't know. Says but... <laughs> I need to rewatch it myself. I mean, my God. So well. I mean, if you can share this movie with other people, they'll they'll doubt you. They'll absolutely doubt you. Just like just like Calvin doubted the idea that there's a Bigfoot spreading a disease. But if you can get it out there, like people will be better off with that. Honestly, this is such a well done movie. And I I, I can't I can't praise it enough. <sighs> Man. Honestly, I mean, <laughs> the last time I saw a movie like this was Guardians of the Galaxy. No, Endgame. Endgame left you emotional, too. Yes, for in different ways, but expected to. But yeah, yeah. So so I think, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll give it an A as well. It's not I would give it an A plus, but there were some flaws in it that. I mean, if you want to be nitpicky about that, I really can't pull out because I was so impressed with everything else. But <laughs> uh, there's now, some dialogue you, you, a little choppy here and there. You can also get pulled out a little bit by some of the constant flashbacks in certain areas. Yes. There, there is a, but for the most part, I thought it was a very good movie. Um, I enjoyed it, of course. You're right. It, it it's a much better movie than anyone would have expected. Again, it sounds like a a, a real low rate movie that would be mm-hmm. ridiculed on Mystery Science Theater three thousand, right? Yes, one of those, yes. or or would be run on like Saturday night at midnight on like Sci Fi yeah, or something or like sci-fi, that. Sci Fi, yeah. Back in the old days when USA <laughs> or TNT all night <laughs> or TNTs. They had one too. It was you know they're they were oh, like TNT, old horror God, movies, yeah. or so uh-huh. they uh, they would all run those things. I remember, and this is exactly what you would think. It sounds like, or it sounds like something from a nineteen fifties B science fiction movie. You know, mm-hmm. it came from outer space, forbidden planet, yeah. all that. You would um, definitely think that it was something like that, right? So, so it it was. It sounds like a sci-fi movie, but it really ended up being almost like a, an indie picture, you know. It was both. I mean, it was, but you know, it had more of a, a vibe of like a like a deep indie picture that'd be shown at con. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, overall, fully recommend. I can't recommend it enough. And I think any any last thoughts, any last any any last words that you want to add to this, because honestly, this is so uplifting. I don't even have anything funny to say. So here's the do I ever is the other question. (laughs) You get a man whose entire career has been Western tough guy war movie roles. And now he's in his early 70s and he's being asked to headline movies. Low, you know, small budget movies, but movies, he's getting a chance to headline TV shows. You know, we're seeing a little bit of a trend here. If you've got some pull in the industry or some some kind of legend and gravitas status, I mean, for a man who has had such a long career in Hollywood as Sam Elliott has had, like a 40-plus year career, 50-year career, to see him have this much success 
in his late 60s, early 70s is really impressive. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it leads I to, mean, you know, him getting rid of the pebble in his shoe. Right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, it, yes, he, he did. And, of course, he was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor um, in uh, A Star is Born. Okay. So the dude can act. Okay. Yep. He's He's got some... And of course, that that gravitas, that you know, that kind of cowboy. But you know, there was so much more that he was conveying without even a spoken talking. Word. Yeah, the looks, the twitch of the mustache, because that is something. Facial, you know, the eyes yeah. and the mustache that come at you in the dark. I. I'm surprised Bigfoot didn't shit himself, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, he did He did vomit himself, so. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's, it was, it's definitely, it, 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 I believe it belongs here on our podcast. Because Absolutely. There, there's enough um, fantastical elements of it. But it's, you know, it's such a good movie. I highly recommend it, guys. If you don't like it. I can't, you know, that that's, you know, your personal choice, but you are like the only other person who I've ever talked to now who has actually seen it. <laughs> and how cathartic is that? We spent the last hour and 15 minutes just, uh, you know, regaling how wonderful this movie is. And, it, and, you know, we could probably go for another 45 minutes or an hour, but I'm about to lose my voice. So... <laughs> I think it's time we wrap this show up. <laughs> All, All right. right. So that's the ultimate ending. I guess we do. And with that ultimate ending, until then, you guys keep dreaming. We'll keep working. So long, folks. And on behalf of Sam Elliott's mustache, D.T. Calfman, and we'll see you on the high ground. Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by AlphaSite Productions, produced by DT Cavman and P.S. McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow P.S. McKay on Twitter at P.S. McKay, or go to thosescifiguys.com for past episode information.